Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons including Ian Baxter, Captain Caveman, David Whitney, uh, who are supporting us directly, along with many more, and you can join them, get access to our full-length ad-free show, our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, our live Discord. Uh, you get all sorts. We've got people listening live right now. We've got, if I, Ian Baxter's in the chat room. We've got Mark, we've got Luke, Nick, Pangolin Sandwich, Richard Taylor... Uh, it's, a, it's a party, and you can, uh, you can get your invite by going to patreon.com forward slash... UK Tech. Well, thanks to KV in our Discord for sharing the following story with us uh, this week. Um, He pointed out that the BBC had wrote that the mystery of why an entire village lost its broadband every morning at 7am was solved when engineers discovered an old television was to blame. Uh, An unnamed householder in Wales, in a little hamlet, little rural Uh, Hamlet, was unaware that their old set would emit a signal that could interfere with the entire village's broadband. Uh, After 18 months, engineers began an investigation after a cable replacement program had failed to fix the issue and the embarrassed householder promised not to use the TV again um, and the village now has a stable signal. Openreach engineers were apparently baffled by the continuous problem, and it wasn't until they used a monitoring device that they found the fault. Um, what they noticed is that the householder would switch on their TV set every single morning at exactly 7am, and an electrical interference that was admitted by the faulty set was affecting the broadband single, uh, signal. The owner didn't want to be named, but apparently was quoted as mortified in this BBC story to find out that their old TV signal was causing, um, causing the problem and agreed they would switch it off and never use it again. And what I love about this is the fact that we're hearing about it after the mystery's been solved, and I just wish we'd have heard about it during the 18 months that they were trying to find the answer, because it sounds like a wonderful little mystery. It sounds like a, a Simon Pegg film waiting to happen uh, or, or something like this. Apparently, engineers were walking around the villages with monitors, um, it's like a spectrum analyzer thing, to find electrical noise uh, just in the wilderness that could help them pinpoint the problem and they were baffled that every every time they were doing this at 7am like clockwork according to a quote from openreach um the broadband would just go off and they couldn't nothing they couldn't detect anything initially uh, until they used a different type of measuring system and they found that the tv was emitting something called a single high level impulse noise or shine for short apparently which causes electrical interference in other devices. Now, I did some research on this, um, Ian, as will, I'm sure, come as absolutely no surprise to you or indeed to anyone, um, because I thought it was weird that OpenReach was involved. Assume, I just sort of assumed that this little village, this hamlet, was using some kind of satellite internet or, or something of that like, but they weren't. They were using regular DSL over copper phone lines. 
so I thought it was really like, how can a TV take out a Hamlet's broadband when the broadband <laughs> is cable and one TV set, one single set, um, which obviously is 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 wireless, having this effect? And I found a support article on the uh, the ISP Zen. Um, to my knowledge, no connection to to any of the people in this in this in this hamlet but it had a really good explanation of how um this kind of a problem can work and i'm going to read out part of this article and i'm going to put a link to the story and so you can look into it yourself um repetitive electrical impulse noise and single isolated impulse noise describe interference that can affect the stability and performance of a broadband service in both cases a power source generating interference uh, or generates an interference in the frequencies used by ADSL broadband services. Um, there are two types, there's this Rhine and Shine, and Shine is the one um, when it's generated as a burst, usually when a device is powered on uh, or is turned off, for example, rather than something that's continuous, which is what the other one is. Um, and some other examples of um, what can cause problems like this, faulty power adapters, which I can believe, uh, timed devices, things like central heating, Christmas tree lights, and it points out that those with a flash setting are, are particularly problematic, um, EPOS, uh, so your electronic point of sale devices, railway power lines, street lights, roadworks, um, power cables that run close to telephone wirings in a house, and also faulty set-top boxes, televisions and other appliances and apparently you can find you can pinpoint um, devices that are emitting this signal if you use an am or a medium wave radio tuned specifically to 612 kilohertz so essentially what it seems was happening is the tv was was blasting one big signal um, at this at this particular setting that was hitting the phone line and then it was going it was blowing something essentially through the phone line hence affecting the other houses who are all connected using the same cables uh, which also goes to explain why this was problematic because of the cabling rather than it being wireless because you would assume that if it was wireless maybe the further away from this house you were the less affected you'd be apparently. yeah but so, so it was it was it people on the same copper line or was it yeah. the whole exchange well bear in mind this is a little hamlet so we're talking a handful of houses so okay. they're basically they're all they're all connected to the same bit of you know central wiring and that was enough for one person's tv set to hit their their home internet and for it to go down the cable and blow everyone else's power off as well yeah i mean i'm not surprised by that to be honest i mean you know adsl and dsl technologies you know they need to be synced uh to the exchange in a very specific way and so any impulse noise that happened to interrupt that syncing process would could it's very obvious that it would cause massive problems uh, so I don't I don't think it surprises me. I like the story. I think it's I think it's hilarious, and I think it's a good example of why we do so much testing on electrical equipment before it can be sold. Uh, you know, you'll often see on the back of a power adapter that it's been certified, and that means that they've you know, checked for unusual amounts of noise as a result of it being used. And you should everything should be quite clean. But obviously, old TVs where perhaps they're going faulty, it's uh, it's quite conceivable they would produce quite a lot of noise. It's brilliant, though. Love it. It's great, isn't it? I mean, we um, we had a, a technical issue at the beginning of our show recording today that I, I promise I didn't manufacture as relevant entertainment, given we we're going to talk about this story. But we spent about 20 minutes between all of our live listeners and Ian and myself trying to figure out why 
the listeners could hear part of what we're going to be using in the next story, um, even though, and I couldn't, even though we're all wired up using the same cables and any other file that I played off my secondary device, I could hear fine. And we pinpointed the answer and I'm going to do something fun with uh, with that recording, we think. Um, but we fixed that in 20 minutes uh, through a process of elimination. And this problem with the TV and the broadband in this little hamlet in Wales went on for 18 months. I mean, I just can't understand why something would take that long if it's apparently such a well-known issue that this this can be this can be the cause but who knows you know apparently it can well as much as anything i think it's about tracking down what the problem is it might have been obvious exactly you know that it was a a signal problem uh, but finding out the source of it would have been difficult and there's not very much you can do to mitigate it really is there you know apparently not well, um, have you destroyed the internet connectivity of your entire town um, inadvertently by using a crap television? Uh, let us know by sending an email to uktechshow at icloud.com. Uh, if you haven't, can you imagine what it would be like if you have? We're going to talk, Ian, about cash, uh, because Wired wrote an article this week with the headline, The Pandemic Has Killed Cash. Um, And it went on to describe that uh, Britain's cash points or holes in the walls, or I suppose to most people, ATMs, um, withdrawals from them have dropped. Well, they did drop 60% when the lockdown started in March. That's according to Link, the company that operates, well, I think it's the largest operator of ATMs, across the country and constituency data um, obtained from the GMB trade union showed that cash machines are vanishing at a breakneck rate an average of 8.9% drop across the country between April to June this year and throughout lockdown about 9,000 ATMs have been disconnected from Link's network at some point um, partly as a result of public places closing um, during the peak of our, our first wave or there were neighbouring machines uh, that were removed in order to prevent social distancing. So you sometimes see banks of four, maybe every other one um, was not to be used. A bit like the uh, urinals in uh, gentlemen's public toilets. Uh, If you see four, then there are only really two available at any one time. Um, Where was I? I distracted myself with talk of urinals. Anyway, um, as of July, Wired writes, only 33% um, of the 9,000 that have been disconnected have been reconnected and withdrawal volumes have picked up once restrictions have eased. But figures from as recently as the 20th of September show that usage of ATMs across the country is still 40% lower now than it was in the same time in 2019. Um, now, this comes as very little of a surprise to me, Ian, uh, and, and, and I'll, it'd be interesting to know if it is for you too. What intrigued me about this is just the fact that some of these machines were being put back on at all after being disconnected. Because have you ever seen a queue for an ATM in the last five years? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen a queue for an ATM for a very long time. Yeah, I, I can't see, I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a queue, maybe somewhere in Soho on a on a Friday night, possibly. But queues for cash machines is pretty rare these days. 
I think. Although Mark in our live chat says right now at his local Tesco this morning because they only had one that was working. Uh, Ian in the chat says, I haven't had cash in my pocket for three or four months. I can't remember the last time I had cash in my pocket ever. I mean... I've got cash in my pocket right now. I think this is... Um, I, I, I don't believe in cashless as a, you know, total option at all. I don't want to, I don't I don't want a cashless society. Why? Because I don't want everyone knowing what I spend my money on all the time. I mean, I just don't. I I don't. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I know that there's a sort of naivety about that. Um, but if I want to go to the pub and drink three beers, I would. You know, I'd prefer to pay with that uh, with cash, honestly, because I don't want my bank to see pub, and I don't. I don't. I don't want people knowing. I just think it's it's a total. Um, yeah, I just think I just I think we should be able to do our thing without the constant scrutiny of banking. And whilst obviously you know cashless is a uh, a more efficient method of operating, I I just no, I don't I don't want that kind of oversight, and I don't want the sort of creep that comes with it. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's good. It's good that we disagree on something legitimately for one reason. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in favour of a of a completely cashless um, society. And I do. I do buy your point. Um, uh, not with cash, obviously. Um, with 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 contactless. With a cap- well, I'm afraid I don't accept cash. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's. I mean, so going back to the Wired article briefly, uh, <laughs> Nick in our live chat just talked about hookers and cash. Um, I, I mean, if if you know that for sure, then 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 great. Um, anyway, Wired gave an account of someone else negatively affected by this a gentleman by the name of Eric, a former builder, bus driver, window cleaner, and general labourer who is aged eighty nine and said to Wired, "quote I only go to the shop or the ATM in good weather because a strong wind could knock me over. Being able to get my money is very important so that I can pay the people that come to my house to help me." He says, "I have the hairdresser, toenail care, gardener, and handyman who all insist." on being paid in cash so this will be an interesting one to put to you Ian because whenever somebody whenever somebody says to me they insist on being paid in cash my first thought is that they are tax uh, evaders evaders and the only reason to insist on cash is because you don't want to pay tax That's... I mean that that is one reason so my question is about this gentleman this this particular quote here is not so much that there is an 89 year old who wants to pay cash it's more that he's being potentially forced to use only cash because the people that he does business with force him to use cash whereas actually i think he i mean the context of this particular person is that he is a a high risk person from uh, from covid19 uh, and, and so he doesn't actually want to have to go out but he has to because these people want cash to my eyes he would be a great candidate for somebody who should be cashless and obviously I appreciate that a lot of people who don't use it don't use tech is because they don't um, they don't they're not tech savvy or they don't have a device or internet or something and that's that's fair enough. But I put the blame on this on in this scenario on people who insist on paying cash because I think there's I don't feel there's an excuse to only accept cash. Also, it's quite expensive to cat to deal with cash. It is. In fact, well, in fact, I mean that that's one of the reasons that um, uh, cashback is a thing. So. 
um, obviously, I mean, cashback, probably no one uses it anymore. But um, one of the reasons that uh, supermarkets and the like decided to do that was that it was very expensive to handle cash. Uh, it comes with risks. Obviously, if your store gets broken into, you're at risk of losing that cash. Um, so one of the ways of dealing with it and reducing your banking costs was to um, to give the cash back to customers and to move that charge onto a, a credit card or, de- or uh, not a credit card, a debit card. Uh, so that's where that came from. Um, but, you know, I mean, your suspicion about people not paying tax, I mean, there are some things, for example, so say, for example, that I decide to give you £6,000. I mean, you. well, yeah, um, technically, you'd have to pay tax on that, right? But if I just decide to give it to you, like, are you really that inclined to pay tax on it? Even if it is technically against the law? I, there are limits. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that businesses should operate on cash only to avoid tax. Um, and I'm not, you know, and, and likewise, I think, you know, for most transactions and stuff like that, you know, obviously we should be paying tax. It's perfectly reasonable. But there are some examples where you just, you just think, you know what? I'm going to give someone six grand. I don't want the government knowing about it. I don't think anyone should pay tax on it. It's my money. I've paid tax on it. I don't see why anyone else should have to pay another set of tax on it. I get that that's a slightly morally ambiguous argument, but it's one I just thought I would make. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, we do not, you do not want banks and the government knowing everything about you. You just don't. So I think there is a perfectly reasonable argument to be made that some transactions should be cash and you should do it just to throw them off the scent, no matter what. I can, I, I can, I can buy that. You know, I just, I mean, yeah. you know, look, I, I, I believe very strongly that paying tax is, you know, my responsibility as a, as a, 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 a someone who earns money and I, I feel like we have to support society. That said, I don't agree with all of the tax. I think some of it is a pain. Um and you know i suppose my argument really in in all this is not it's not really a tax issue it's no. more it's more um wanting to get like basically i want to get rid of paper like i hate paper i, yeah, I won't enough. use any any paper if, if it can be digital then it 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 has to be and to me cash is just it's just it's just more paper or it's more stuff for me to yeah, lose it's a pain. It, it it carries diseases it's unclean you know that's yeah, why i want to get rid of it it's just yeah. that in my experience in my personal experience um it, have being forced to deal with cash always comes across in the situations that i've come across it um, as being necessitated by someone's desire to not pay tax, um, and I'm not saying that's the case for everyone. I, I and obviously speaking to you, it, it isn't. Um, but that that has been that has been my experience in in re- recent months, uh, recent years. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean, you're, you're, the thing is, you're never going to get rid of it in in certain industries. Like, I mean, builders. You know, you'll very often find that a builder will give you two prices. You know, one one for a you know bank transfer and one for cash. Because if you pay cash, they don't have to charge you VAT, and they can tuck that money away somewhere and you know not pay. And I don't agree with that. I think that's fundamentally wrong. But well, Kate in our chat room suggested that I talk about the pub we went to, and she's right. She and I went to a pub a couple of years ago, and uh, we'd. We, we we hadn't been out on a night out for ages and we just thought we'd go and sample one. We thought there was going to be some live music on and we got there and there was no live music 
and it was sort of one of those scenarios where you walk in like in the old western bars and the honky-tonk piano stops and everyone turns and looks at you um and we felt a little bit out of place and then we ordered a drink and they poured the drinks and they charged us and i gave them the card and they said we don't take cards it's cash only and i just thought that's is that not really weird to be a, um, a, a you know a fairly decent sized pub in the middle of a fairly busy town that only accepts cash well, we'd have to check this, but my understanding is it's perfectly legal not to accept cards, but I do not believe that you're allowed to not accept cash. So you couldn't, I don't think you could be a... You can definitely not accept it. No one's accepting cash at the moment. That's sort well, of they, the point they, of all this. Well, no, this they, they will accept it because don't forget a lot of people don't, you know, that a lot of people operate entirely on cash and don't have maybe bank accounts even in in the very extreme cases so i think you'll find that they'll whilst they would rather you didn't use cash it's not prohibited you can do it Mm. you know i mean you think about it i mean there are people alive today uh who are who will who were having a bank account would have been a complete just it would have been something you would never have thought about having you know people were paid in cash for the work that they did they took the cash home they kept the cash they probably spent all of that cash in a week you know the idea we're talking about having a bank for a lot of people having a bank account is pointless if you're if you're earning a certain amount and spending it all that week and you've got to remember that a lot of people live literally on their salaries Hmm. so i do there are a lot of reasons i don't like it i'm not surprised it's declined in in recent times i think if anyone ever suggests that we get rid of cash we should fight it tooth and nail um but i'm but i don't care about the choices people individually make if you want to pay with a card all the time that's absolutely fine mm. um and and i'm all for you know making it as easy as possible to pay with cards because it is more convenient i do it all the time mm. Well, what a debate that was, um, which is exactly what I hoped for. I hope it um, provokes a response from from listeners. We do often, well, pretty much after every story, suggest people write in. Um, This is one I'd really, really welcome people's feedback on um, that we can go through next week. UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. What is your experience with cash? Do you side more here with Ian or I? Maybe you're living in a country or just a part of the UK that has a an ambivalent relationship with, with cash. Who knows? be great to get some feedback from people. And um, we'll include a link to the Wired story, as always, in the show notes at uktechshow.com. According to the Guinness World Records, the fastest time to reach 1 million followers on Instagram is now 4 hours and 44 minutes and was achieved by Sir David Attenborough on the 24th of September 2020. As of recording, he now has uh, 4.2 million followers and has made four posts, including his introduction. I thought we could um, I thought we could have a listen. Do I have a listen? Yes, please. To uh, to to this yeah, after all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's uh, here's how uh, David Attenborough welcomed himself to the world. Hello, my name is David Attenborough, and I've been appearing on radio and television for the past sixty years. But this is my first time on Instagram, and I'm making this move and exploring 
this new way of communication to me because as we all know the world is in trouble continents are on fire glaciers are melting coral reefs are dying fish are disappearing from our oceans the list goes on and on but we know what to do about it and that's why I'm tackling this new way for me of communication over the next few weeks I'll be recording messages to explain what the problems are and how we can deal with them join me or as we used to say in those early days of radio stay tuned I could listen to him all day as I know many people uh, many people could um, why are we why did I pick this story out you may wonder um, part of the reason is I don't like talking about things that bum everybody out um, yeah. no one needs another podcast about um, how tech is destroying everything or how COVID, COVID is killing everyone or politics or anything like that. This show is meant to be a little bit of a safe haven. And I thought there was something quite lovely that um, the record holder for reaching a million followers um, on Instagram is Sir David Attenborough talking about, admittedly, catastrophic problems with the earth and its uh, its destruction by man but also ending on an optimistic note that there's stuff that we can we can do about it uh i just i don't know i like that i was pleased by it yeah were you pleased by it plus it's an excuse to um hear a little bit of richard uh, david amber's voice which i don't think you ever need a real reason to do but this was a good one I think. No, I don't mean. I think it's. I think it's wonderful that someone uh, like David Attenborough can manage to get such a large following so quickly. I think that that in itself is a, a sign of some hope for us. If um, if his, you know, a man who is now dedicated a lot of his life to conservation and the protection of the planet can reach a million quicker than a Friends star, that's got to be a, a positive sign, right? And I love Friends. Don't get me wrong, but I do do feel like there is some fripperies in the world that we could do without and. Um, Sir, Sir David is not one of those. Uh, no. So, yeah. Well, um, you did mention the Friends star. So this is the person that he who held the previous record, according to Guinness, um, which said that uh, Sir David beat Friends star Jennifer Aniston, who set the previous record for the fastest time to reach a million followers late last year. She managed to do it in five hours and 16 minutes. So he um, he beat her by just over half an hour to, to one million <clears throat> I'd just like to announce that I'm um, I'm going to be the slowest person to reach a million uh, on Instagram, uh, and I'll never achieve it. Oh, <laughs> I don't care. Are you on <laughs> Instagram? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't use it. Mm. The only the only social now I use is Twitter again, and I'm not entirely sure I've made the right decision there. But anyway, mm. well, uh, David, ha- Sir David has got a long way to go before he re- uh, reaches the likes of footballer Ronaldo, who has something like quarter of a billion followers uh, or something. Oh, but it, but it is reassuring that the arrival of, uh, of, of David Attenborough can at least cause an instant surge in interest, which is, which is pretty good, which is, uh, which is good. So go and follow him. He's just David Attenborough on Instagram. Should come as no surprise, really. Um, and I think, uh, will that do it for this story? I think we've probably... 
I've done that enough. No one wants to hear about the times I've met David Attenborough, do you? Oh, you do? Okay. Well, uh, there was... Oh, Lord. <laughs> I was in the same room as him once. That's the best I oh, can do. Oh, were you? Yeah, I went to um, a natural history uh, VR thing with Samsung, and he oh. was there. He didn't speak. Oh. That's that's weird. Isn't that like going to well, see the, the Pope and not praying? Actually, is that... Is that right? Did he speak? I can't remember. I, I remember thinking, oh, there's Dave, there's Sir David, uh, wonderful. I'm sitting right behind him, in fact. Um, and then I seem to remember he was, there wasn't really a lot of talking. He maybe did a short piece, but yeah, um, and then left. But it was wonderful anyway. Oh. Well, um, um, yes. You were going to tell a story about when you met him. No, I wasn't. I mean, I was, I was going to, I was going to point out that, that, um, someone said i shouldn't meet him because i met um uh patrick moore and he died a few weeks later ah. and I met stephen hawking and he died a few weeks later and somebody suggested that i shouldn't meet uh, any other like british treasures because apparently me meeting them means that they end up dying quite soon afterwards um but so far i'm pleased to say that uh, david attenborough is alive and well and long may that continue we love him you're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Well... Ian, do you have any idea who keeps us posted on what's going on in the wider world of tech? Yes, week? I do. It's Tom Merritt. It is. Do you want to hear his voice? Yes. Telling... All right, here, let's find out. Here we go. Three, two, one, Tom. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Amazon wants to fly a drone around your house and figured out how to launch a streaming video game service on iOS. That and a bunch of new looks for the Echo. We followed the logic on TikTok's deal with Oracle and Walmart and awaited the US and China's approval and talked about Microsoft putting its cloud service in orbit and using robots to predict the spread of disease. All that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com. Do you want to know something I would never do, Ian? What's that? Yes, please. Uh murder a person oh well i mean i wouldn't do that either do you know what else i wouldn't do i mean that is the sort of thing a murderer would say anyway but yeah go on what i would never have an amazon drone flying around my house no i'm 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 sort of in agreement with you there i think uh why would i allow that uh but you know it's for the americans the americans are much happier to buy into corporations than i think a lot of the rest of the world uh, I don't know if I would agree with that. Well, I no. Think. I mean, it's a horrible stereotype. But really, this sort of thing, it's not a good idea, is it? Uh, if if you're Amazon, it's great. I'd still think that if Amazon uh, has a drone, then I want it to have a little grappling hook on it because I want it to not only do certain things that I want, like fly around and uh, give me security updates, but I want it, if I'm in the bathroom, bring me another bog roll. Or if I'm in my studio i need it to bring me a cup of tea because my wife's in the other room watching someone stream 
drawings um and she can't make me one even though i have a very dry throat right now but amazon isn't solving those particular problems and that's why i'm not interested uh, also i don't trust um, no and you don't want companies. you don't want it being able to look around your home without any oversight <laughs> let's be honest it's not it's not a great thing for anyone that even has a passing interest in privacy yeah. You know, I think it was on an episode of uh, DTNS this week. Um, somebody mentioned that um, a lot of smart devices all have cameras in the same place. They have screens. And that's not always a great way for things to be. Like, you don't always want a camera in the place you have a screen. And I think a bathroom was given as an example of that. But a lot of products are designed where it's all in one. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, a very interesting point because you're right there are lots of things where you might want to put the camera somewhere different to um to the the screen but that's not the way products are built a lot of the time indeed anyway that all came up on dtns that's quite the plug for tom but uh, it's a great show go and listen to it now uh, because we're done thank you ian it's been a pleasure for i'm sure you um certainly me at times yes i agree it's it's been an all-round great time for all it has um, take care everybody oh I've just had crazy deja vu oh and I just had it again talking about it oh that was spooky uh, bye bye small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.